The flyover state sports show is for a mature audience. It contains strong language and adult situations. We do not own the rights to any audio of the podcast. Viewer discretion is advised. Is this on? By the luscious and returning fleeless Gavin Alexander. Never get fleas. Just never do it. <laughs> I alluded to last week. Yes, I did listen, but uh, they're terrible. Every part of them. Just get rid of them anyway, Pop. I at some at one point I was convinced I'd just have to burn the house down and start over. But how did you manage to get fleas in your home, Gavin? Oh, just Sydney. That's one thing. That, like, I don't understand with people. Like, I uh, I understand people being, like, embarrassed about it or whatever. But, like, the only thing that's embarrassing about it is, like, not being able to get rid of them, I guess. Because the fact that your dog just, like, brought bugs into your house. Like, I guess, I don't know. She's on flea medication and still brought fleas into the house. So, are you really embarrassed that uh, veterinarians are dumbasses, even though they have a doctorate degree? Like, they're really smart on paper, but not on the field. Yeah, that's how I, I. That's how I feel with my place. You know, there's just a billion crickets everywhere. You know what I mean down south, and they just end up in my house just for no reason. Yeah, and I mean, doesn't help that I'm also just gone every weekend, so uh, the fleas have some time to reestablish themselves after a murderous four day week. Oh, that's how I felt. I killed, like, three crickets the other day, or whatever, like, inside and outside the house. Came back, motherfucker was just looking at me when I came back on Sunday morning. <laughs> Fucking took my shoe, pow, damn, dead. Sure, he's got some buddies in my floorboards, though, so, you know, eh. it is what it is. But happy spooky season to everyone today. It is Halloween, October 31st. A great time for a Tuesday, I suppose. I saw a tweet saying that this was the longest Halloween of all time, and now it's finally actually Halloween. I feel that on a spiritual level, coming from Independence, Kansas, where we have a Halloween festival the week before Halloween. Jesus Christ. Yeah, we had, um, I work in a town of like a couple hundred people. That's just where our like factory is for reasons. And... Um, so only a couple people, hundred or a couple hundred people live there. And in my year and a half, I've been employed there. I've never seen a child in the wild there. Like I don't, I've never just like seen one, but the preschool slash grade school came by our work today and they were all dressed up in their stuff. And I'm thinking like, LOL, there's going to be like five kids coming through and like a parent, this fucking bus pulls up and just starts fucking oh. That is like just starts chucking kids off on his costumes. I had like a bar of candy, so I started like breaking the Hershey's and shit and the pieces started <laughs> like shit. I was not prepared for the fact that uh children only come out here on Halloween. Dude, I'll tell you what though. 
I love shit like that. You want to know why? Because there's not enough shit for me to do in eight hours. And if I can kill time giving candy to kids, I'm going to take it. I love it. I saw a witch bitch slap a lion today, so that was pretty cool. (laughs) Dude, we have a uh, retirement lunch that's like an hour and a half tomorrow at a barbecue place in town. I'm so excited for that. Dude, I'm so excited. Like, I'm going to get a leave at 1130 and not come back to work till like 1.30 or 1 o'clock, like 1 to 1.30. And I leave at like 3, 3.30. I'm so excited. I'm going to come back. I'm going to like go to the restroom immediately, <laughs> sit on my phone, scroll Twitter for like 10 minutes, and then like suddenly it's like under two hours till I go home, and it's going to be awesome. I love it. I love days like that. Where you just don't have to do shit. Oh, dude. Realistically, I feel like every person's goal is to go through their job well enough to where they don't get fired, but like waste enough time or whatever to where they're doing the least amount as possible. Yeah, if you succeed, they start giving you more shit to do. I know. That's what I said. You know, you know, people ask me, it's like, oh, do you ever want to like move up in the rankings and it's like no because then they just give me more shit I then other people's problems are my problem it's like hell no (laughs) it's like why would I yeah my uh my favorite thing about Halloween though to stay off topic if you will is uh you know someone said something like oh you know Halloween like you know you have three stages of Halloween you know, when you're a kid, you love it because of the candy and you get to dress up and what, what the fuck else. And then you get into that really weird, like, middle school vibe where, like, you're way too cool for Halloween. But then, like, once you get, like, into your high school days and, like, college days, you realize that, you know, Halloween is just, for you know, dressing up and, like, fucking people at, at parties. And it's awesome again. Yeah. <laughs> I believe the line that I heard was, you start realizing Halloween is awesome again when you see sexy Buzz Lightyear and Jack Sparrow making out in the corner. <laughs> yep. That was spot on. Well, everyone, we have a great show for you today. Obviously, you can't tell because there's no enthusiasm here. We're, we, you know, we're chilled out. We're mellow. Beans is off doing wrecked basketball shit. So you have the two, you know, brain trust of this, you know, the two most knowledgeable folk, no biases, no nothing. We're going to tear the Chiefs to fucking shreds and Beans can't defend them in here because Beans, you know, absolutely would. But also the college football playoff rankings come out in T minus like uh, 15 to 30 minutes. So we're going to cut off exactly what we're talking about when those start coming out. And we fully would expect KU to be ranked. We might see a K-State ranking. And we'll get a reaction to, like, the top six, probably. I don't know, Gavin. Care to offer a prediction? No, I'm uh, I'm done predicting college sports. The only thing that I, like, have to, like, offer the people is I um, I remember sitting here when the transfer rules changed and, like, just – all I heard was a bunch of like butt hurt 
uh, K-State fans and, like, fans around, like, oh, my God, now all the talent's just, like, going to go to the best teams because they can, and they're just going to go there because they want to win and blah, blah, blah. Like, pretty much the exact opposite that has happened to where now it's, like, leveled the playing field across college football. Slightly. Slightly leveled the playing field. Slightly. I mean, you get your uh, powerhouse schools. St- I Everything outside of, outside of the powerhouse schools has been leveled to the point where it just literally doesn't matter. <laughs> like, just any I, given I would agree. It feels like there's a lot. It, it feels like, you know, the tier – there's, like, the tier one and, like, Tier one is a little bit clo- is a little bit closer to you know the tier two, but I mean like Georgia's still really good, Bama's still really good, like the the big time teams are still really good, but it really feels like that tier two and tier three is kind of just like one thing. Yep. Like there's not a lot of difference there, and you can kind of you know make things competitive after one year. I don't know. The streets are saying that Ohio State's gonna you know be number one. Start this thing off, and Florida State's gonna be number two. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. We don't care. K State could be unranked or like ranked in like the fifteen to twenty range because reasons. But that is not the leading story in college football for the state of Kansas. The big one this week, an all-time shocker, an eternal victory forever. A legacy-defining game by Jason Bean and the Kansas Football Jayhawks as they defeat Oklahoma 38-33? to That sounds about right. Somewhere in there. Yeah, it was like five points. It was like 38-33, to or maybe it was like 38-32. to Might have been 38. It doesn't matter. They went for two to go up by seven. They had 30. Fuck it, doesn't matter. Sam doesn't remember what the score was. Does not matter whatsoever. Regardless, KU wins by five points. I believe it was 38 to 33. First time Kansas football Jayhawks of Rock Chalk University have beaten Oklahoma since 1997. I was one. Uh, were you even born yet, Gavin? Um, No. All right, so he was sperm. I was one. That was the last time that KU had beaten Oklahoma in any capacity for any football game. It is a tremendously massive deal what KU had pulled off. And I tell you what, Gavin, it came at a great time to have a weather delay because I got to watch the end. Yep. That was the weird thing was uh, I was driving home from the K-State game at that time when I'm listening to the game like hits me like, holy shit, there's a lot left in this game still. And they started at the same time. I it was a weird game just because of the weather delay. I love the like mm-hmm. pictures that were taken because KU. To be fair to KU, because um, they they've got a lot of just like every time you hear like KU being relevant in football, the immediate like first ten comments is like people making fun of their last decade. Um, and like if that picture goes out of their stadium after the delay, and like. That's not uncommon at all. People are just trying to get back in the fucking Yeah, season. no, I, I didn't like that because I remember the Missouri game last year and uh, our stadium looked very similar to that. Our stadium looks like that at the start of the third quarter weekly. So I, yeah, no, not to uh, completely just bring this back to K-State and we'll, we'll, we'll keep talking about KU. 
But man, their student section looked the exact same as ours after about the first three and a half quarters. Now, granted, ours is a blowout. I still think it's embarrassing and it's a really bad look. And we'll talk about the basketball recruit. Maybe we might get to that. Didn't love that our student section decided to do that. Hope that he had left the game by then. Yeah, me too. But no, for um, your legacy defining point, just everything that this means for KU, we've kept talking on this show over the past year, especially in the beginning of this season. Um about just the stepping stones and like it takes time to get a program built up from just the rock bottom spot that KU was. And we've seen just all those incremental little steps and talked about how important those are, because then when you have this type of opportunity and you take it now, KU is being like taken seriously in a way that they wouldn't have if they like when they beat Texas in the past, it was literally just like, LOL, they beat Texas, Texas sucks. And you move on and forget about it. But now you're looking at this win from KU and it has a different feel to it. It has a like, holy cow, Oklahoma's a good team and Texas, or Jesus, and KU just went out and beat them. They like did not just sit there and let Oklahoma lose a game. KU took the game to Oklahoma and beat them. And that is a like different vibe, different feeling around KU football than I can, even I can almost remember. I mean, the thing too is, is I mean, look. I understand that KU is sitting there with two losses, but, you know, you are in a position to where you could potentially make some noise, even make a conference game. You're going to need some things to break your way, obviously. And it, it, hurts that, it hurts that the four new teams are in and you really can't control your own destiny. From the standpoint of, oh, we're going to play everyone to go to this championship game. Like, we just have to take care of our business. But, I mean, there's a lot of different ways that things can go like that. I think not, I mean, their chances aren't very high just because of tiebreakers and everything else i mean uh, really realistically i mean texas and oklahoma have a good chance of just winning the last four of their games and but yep. finishing with one loss and then ku's just sitting here like okay well what the fuck you know what i mean but yeah. like I, again this is another one of those notch in the belt victories that help build up programs and like again you don't win overnight you know, you have to build things. Iowa State is a great example. Iowa State was dog shit. They weren't quite as bad as KU, but they were dog shit. And Matt Campbell came in and he built things up over time. And eventually Iowa State was in the top half of the conference with a chance to go to the conference championship game for, you know, a year or two before they actually did do it. And, you know, you start playing meaningful games in November. And what's funny now is that KU and Iowa State are actually going to both get a chance to play a very meaningful night game in Jack Trice Stadium this week. Yeah. Which is going to absolutely have major ramifications for the uh, conference championship game, especially from an Iowa State standpoint, as they have a much greater percentage chance of making it just because, you know, five, five in one conference record or what. Yeah, one one lost conference record. I think it would be uh, four and one. 
Yep, four one. Well, and who they have left to play too, because that's uh, we're we're gonna get to the, the K State side of things, and uh, their Im- most important game of the season arguably comes up this year. KU's already passed that test, looking at Oklahoma last year, so that's also a, they've already made it over their massive hurdle. Um, and now you just kind of do what you can and hope things break your way. But I think exactly. the the one thing, or I guess the two things that I have to add to that like game itself is uh, one from a Brent Venable standpoint, just how funny like everything is kind of turned out now. Where the overall feel around Chris Kleiman, especially after last year and coming into the season, was is like so good. The uh, vibe around K State's program is so good. And you look at a guy like Vent Brennables, that's just, it's not getting put together, at least right now, for Oklahoma. We'll see what happens when they actually go to the SEC. Yeah, Oklahoma is having a weird hangover. Like, they, I don't want to, like, sit here and pretend that, like, Oklahoma's defense wasn't good for the first, like, five games, five to six games. But, I mean, like, Cincinnati ended up being not good. And, like... They didn't play really anyone in the non-conference, and I don't really, and, and like I don't really know who else they really. I can't even remember who else they really played. Like I know they played like SMU and like in the non-con, but I mean like their defense at the two weeks after Texas, so they play in the Cotton Bowl, and then they play UCF and they give up like thirty some points, and. You know, UCF had John Reese Plumley that game, and K-State gave up, like, damn near 30 to them, too. But, like, they give up a ton of points to UCF and then a ton of points to KU, and it's like, okay, like, what's happening here, Brett? Like, where are we going with this? Yep. And, I mean, on the other side of that, for uh, we've, we've seen this last year with a bunch of explosive games from KU, albeit with a different quarterback. But, like, you're not only is uh, kind of like I said, KU is actually going out and making explosive plays. KU has a like we just want to talk apples to apples since a lot of our friends here are K State or KU fans. Like KU has a significantly more explosive, more potent offense than K State. Right. Um, or at like, least through the air, I would say. I mean, KU yes has a better offense. K State is rushing for a shit ton of yards though. Yes, but a passing offense is always going to be more potent, Correct. more dynamic than a run first team but yeah i mean oklahoma pretty much has no answers for ku ku does a lot of really creative things on the offensive side of the ball gets a lot of players involved um and oklahoma really just can't find an end to it so now you look at a uh on the opposite side of uh the ball there with ku lance Lightpole. um you got a coach that has uh his fan base carrying the goalposts into a lake on campus um a town reinvigorated around him. Um, I think it's really, I think there's a massive opportunity that's not being discussed about how close Bill Self is to retirement. And you have this rising star and Lance Lightpole in uh, Lawrence as well. I think there's a massive opportunity there just from a name recognition standpoint. Um, Not that, you know, KU's basketball program isn't just going to keep doing KU basketball program things when Bill Self is gone. But just from a known commodity, from I think when Bill Self is gone, it's just that much easier for uh, the KU football program to 
keep getting more relevant, Lawrence. I mean, shit, look at any video you saw from Barstool Sports Twitter account or anything after the game. Their program is trending around the country and for something positive. That's um, that. There's nothing bad about that in any way. It's made, you're getting publicity. Uh, recruits are seeing that. It's just it's a great time to be a Kansas football fan. And um, as a K-State fan on the other side, uh, it's a little scary because uh, there's nothing – slowing down this kind of just upward trend that we're seeing in Lawrence. Yeah, no, I mean, really the only thing that I can think of that will stop it is just bad quarterback play. I mean, like realistically, yeah. that's what kills like a lot of college football programs is just bad quarterback play and bad line play. But can, we'll, can we move we'll, on from? I don't even remember. I excuse me. Their other quarterback that's been fake hurt the entire year or hurt, but oh, uh, Jalen Daniels. Thank I mean, Jalen Daniel. I mean, Cats. You know, told us like during our fantasy draft that he was going to have this back issue all year. So I mean, I really don't know like the status of his back injury. I the whole rumor that like him and Lance Leipold are a package deal at Michigan State just seems so stupid to me. Like. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think I think a lot of that is just a lot of people are wishing that he would go to Michigan State, and I understand because you know, yeah, yeah. I, I <laughs> but at this point, to... like KU, you, you know, you you've already built the foundation at KU, so I mean, like, I, I feel like you could hire. I don't want to say you could hire anyone, obviously, but like, no one was taking this job. You know, like what? 36 months ago, no one was taking this job, and now, like, someone would probably actually take it. Um, wasn't Kleinman, didn't he have ties to Michigan State as well? Because I found that really ironic. Yeah, no, I think Kleinman does, too. I think, um, yeah, Kleinman has some Big Ten ties. I mean, so does Lance Leipold, too. I mean, I was the one job for both of them. That would be extremely concerning. <laughs> yeah, I... No, I yeah that that's the thing. If you're KU, you just got to keep this dude in <laughs> in, in town. House. We haven't really seen the like ceiling he's capable of leading this program to. But no, good good for them. Um, yeah, there's literally just nothing negative you can say about what transpired in Lawrence this weekend. Yeah, no, I don't disagree. I think uh, obviously in games there's a lot of really close things. Jason Bean almost throws the game losing pick, and then he throws a deep, deep shot to uh, Lawrence Arnold, and there you go, and there you go. It's a touchdown, and there you go, and there you go. By the way, um, Oklahoma absolutely got bailed out by that not by that pass interference not getting called like yeah. the receiver. Um, not, I just want to uh, put that out in the ether for. Everyone to know that that was a push up, and if KU would have lost, that would have been really bad. Yep. No. Um, so I think uh, we've kind of alluded to it before. Um, now we've, from Lawrence, we go west to Manhattan. Well, um, we got to pick the game first, Gavin. Oh, you shit. Know, we we got to pick the game. KU going to Jack Trice on a night game, too. Night Jack Trice game. Night Jack Trice. I'm just saying, K State won a game against Iowa State like ten to nine last year, I think. And yeah. Iowa State wasn't any good, but it was at night, and so everyone was super, you know, hype about it. So I think, and I don't, 
I'm pretty sure I picked KU to win this game at the beginning of the season, but that is before I realized that Iowa State was good and before this game was at night at Jack Trice. And I really do feel like if Bean's going to play, this is going to be one of those games on the road where your back quarterback starts you know, causing you problems. So I'm going to pick Iowa State 28-27 to in a little bit of an upset, in my opinion. I'm not sure. What is KU's path to the Big 12 championship game? Um. All right. So if they went out, they will have beaten Iowa State and K-State. Yeah. Gives them tiebreakers over them. Realistically speaking, it's probably... Oklahoma has to lose again, right? Well, it's probably Oklahoma beating Oklahoma State. And then Oklahoma State probably losing another game. Another game. And then Oklahoma's basically going to have to lose a game, and Oklahoma State's probably going to have to lose two, and then they would have beaten everyone that has two losses. Yep. Um, I saw... I saw the, uh, it was the leverage uh, by Kelly Ford. For yeah. The top I, of the game. I saw that today. and I mean, they're like under 10% for like being able to make it. It, it like realistic, like real, realistically, realistically, if you look at it, like K-State, Oklahoma State, Texas, and Oklahoma are like the clear front runners. And Iowa State, I think, just has to still play, like, Texas and Oklahoma or something like that. Yeah. Where I think Iowa, Iowa State has, like, Iowa State is there, but they have to play, like, K-State and, like, OU or Texas. And so, like, Iowa State's going to have to basically win out. Yep, and they're going to have to win out against probably the toughest schedule left in the Big 12. Yeah, so, I mean, and K-State's schedule is also stupid tough. That's why their leverage is such a big swing on that graphic, it's like, oh, if you lose, like, you're at 20-some percent. And if you win, you're at, like, 70-some percent. We still, got, we still got a loss in the bag. We made it last year with two conference losses, so. I, I don't think we're making it with two conference losses this year because of all of the uh, teams we are not playing. Yeah, no, I know. So, uh, KU's going to go up to Iowa State. Um I agree. It's weird, and you're always in this classic, uh, you know, old old heads sitting there saying this is a classic letdown spot. Um, I just think KU. I, again, I've got nothing against KU here. Uh, you just beat one of the best teams on paper in the Big Twelve. Um, you got nothing stopping you except lack of consistency at this point. Iowa State has not shown the ability to do anything close to what you just did. So. I have no reason to bet against KU at this point unless they show me something. So I'm going with the Hawks. Ah, here we go. Here are the rankings for the college football playoff. We have 25 Air Force, 24 Tulane, 23 K-State, 22 Oklahoma State, 21 KU. Wow, three Big 12 teams right in a row. Right in a row. So there's K-State at 23. We'll talk about them here in a second. Uh, Oak State is at 22 and KU is at 21. So there you go, and there you go, and there you go. I think that's probably about the right rankings because Oklahoma State is the head-to-head over K-State, and KU has an actual good win yeah. compared to the other schools. Yeah. It is that- funny, though, the, that Air Force is behind Tulane. That's big for the uh, 
New Year's Six Bowl game. Um, USC at 20, UCLA at 19, Utah at 18, Tennessee at 17, Oregon State at 16. So this is pretty much the we think the Pac-12 is better than the Big 12 portion of the rankings. Which is, incre- well, incredible for multiple things, but also the uh, USC ranking there is just kind of laughable. USC, I can understand why you keep them ranked. Um, I believe it was the coaches poll had UNC ranked over K-State, which I couldn't understand for the life of me, considering that UNC had dropped the game to Georgia Tech and Virginia, who had it beaten an FBS opponent in like 19 games. Yeah, uh, they got... That's uh, coaches poll is looking well. They have NFL talent at quarterback, so they must be good. Pretty much. All right. 15 Notre Dame, 14 LSU, 13 Louisville, who is a big surprise. 12 Missouri. God, I wish we would have won that game. Ouch. And 11 Penn State. Yeah. K State really could have beat Missouri. And if K State would have beat Missouri, they probably would be where Missouri is right now. I mean, we uh, have a chance to. Beat Missouri and Oklahoma State. We beat ourselves in both of those games. I uh, mean, if, if K-State wins both those games, they're in the top ten. Like, yeah. let's be honest with ourselves. Correct. And we're going now, into – and we have game day in Austin for K-State versus uh, Texas. And no, we don't because Alabama's playing LSU this week. Oh, never mind. Damn it. Okay. Yeah, they were – I wanted to have hope. Hey, we have Big Noon, which is basically Fox's game day. Yeah, that's true. All right, 10, Ole Miss. Okay. This is the slow part of the ranking reveal. It's so stupid. Hey. Um, I got uh, nine, Oklahoma. The aforementioned Oklahoma. So they will be behind Texas. But by reading tea leaves of how the Pac-12 is seen versus the Big 12, my guess would be that Oregon will be in front of Texas, and Texas will be 8 or 7, would be my assumption. But we'll see. 8, Alabama. So this is probably Texas at 7, then. It's Texas or Oregon, I would say. Yeah, Oregon. Go ahead. uh, Oregon's at least – I think Oregon's – Legit. I mean, they've kind of like a no holes situation too, where they're just good everywhere and have uh, have the talent also where it matters at quarterback. Um, they just put together complete games and have enough talent to beat you down. Yeah. So, yep. There's Texas at seven. So I think so. Pretty much what I'm seeing from this committee is they highly, highly value the Pac-12 which almost leads me to think that Washington is going to crack this top four. Because I'm thinking if the committee really wants to make a legitimate statement, they would put Washington over like Georgia. Because Georgia's not beating fucking anyone. Yeah, and they've actually played close games doing it too. Yeah, so I mean, if the committee's consistent with what they're doing, my guess would be Oregon would be at six. I think that's a given, given that they're the one lost team left. And then if you want to be consistent with who's beating who, Michigan is probably like, like Michigan and Georgia are probably like, Michigan's probably five. Michigan really hasn't beaten anyone either. And the Big Ten, I don't think, is getting a lot of respect in this poll, just in general. 
Um, and then I think you'd go Michigan, Georgia, Washington, and then uh, or Oregon, Michigan, Georgia at four, Washington three, and then Florida State and Ohio State. Ohio State's actually beaten a lot of nice teams. Yeah. All right. Well, they're saying that the top six is revealed next. Top six is stupid. Um, we could have a different conversation some other day about what I think the uh, playoffs should look like, but that's neither here and neither here nor there. Um, so I guess we can go to our number 23 overall Kansas State football Wildcats here for a second. Um, we're, we're a split ticket on the KU in uh, Iowa State game, and I have a feeling that we'll both pick K-State the same way this week. But we have to go to the week that was, and Houston, who gave Texas a run for their money at home last week, came to K-State. They practiced without their shirts on in the freezing cold weather, and that never works, and it always means you're going to get killed. And that's what happened, 41 to nothing. Really, there's nothing to take away from this game other than Avery Johnson didn't play a whole lot, which is kind of surprising. Didn't play a whole lot, and um, in my opinion, didn't maybe like quieted some of the just uh, like Avery versus Will discourse for a little bit too. Um, of course, Will's perfectly capable of coming out in the first quarter of this Texas game and throwing two picks, and we're going right back to where we were. But um, I think it's uh, at least. I thought it was interesting given the one thing I knew from the last couple weeks is I hate a quarterback rotation. This and that never works, especially when you're going to face good teams like Texas. And uh, Will goes down the first two drives of this game, leap touchdown drives, pretty much perfect and flawless execution from every standpoint. Uh, you bring Avery in, pretty much nobody questions it. Everybody's just kind of like, oh, okay, we're still doing this. And, like, the first play is, a, like, muffed exchange between the two. I don't even know who's at fault. Just one of those things where you're like, all right, you made a quarterback change for literally no reason besides Pretty much reason, yeah. And then we had a turnover immediately because of chemistry. And you're going, huh. And I, I've, uh, I've been one of the more vocal climbing pushback people because I think he's got – I think he's gotten the credit he deserves, if not more. I want to be that pushback against people. But it really rubbed me the long, wrong way when he came out after the Tech game. Like, you, you beat Texas Tech, like a really bad Texas Tech team. And again, this week you beat a bad Houston team. And the way he talks after beating those teams always just – I'm glad he has confidence in everybody. But when you're, like, questioned about, like, process or whatever, it comes out very Arthur Smithy when you're, like, uh, talking about – what do you think about the quarterback rotation and your response is, well, 41 to three or 41 to zero is what I think about that. And you're going like, oh, all right. So bad process, but good results is what we're going off of here. I, I will say um, that was a really funny quote and I'll accept it because it was TCU when he used that quote. Yeah. And okay. TCU lol, and lol. By the way, I, I don't even know if we said this last week, but like our band was harassing TCU after after that game last week. Oh my god, I, that was so bad. Yeah. Did you hear what they were chanting at them? They were chanting like no OT this time. I think uh it's I like it. I like the little rivalry we kind of had with TCU and everything, but like let's make no mistake about it. The last three get teams we played in Tech, TCU and Houston um I don't really hold yeah. to that high regard. And on top of that, in the single singular games that they played us, 
they did not ever threaten or do anything that resembled good football. Um, part of that goes off to us and our defense, absolutely. But um, I don't know if we learned a whole lot, I guess, of what I'm getting out there. Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I'm sitting here and... So they did reveal the uh, rankings. It's one Ohio State, two Georgia, three Michigan, which makes no sense because they played no one. Four Florida State, five Washington, six Oregon. So the committee doesn't care about how they ranked everyone else. So whatever. Yeah, they're only talking about the top six. So that's the talking. Yeah, we, we don't care. Anyways, so my thing is I we, we mentioned this. K-State really hasn't beaten anyone good. And, like, I can't even talk about, like, what we did against Houston because like, we didn't do anything other than just beat the crap out of them. I didn't learn anything. I don't know anything. I haven't learned anything about K-State football since the second half of the Tech game where, you know, we could have laid over and died and we didn't and we won and that's great. You know what I mean? Like, that's all fine and dandy. We showed some resilience. It looked like we turned some stuff around, obviously, in that moment. Um, I think the only thing I really learned was Avery is pretty much just going to be a running back for this year. I, I like right. I feel like because there's no reason to give Avery any run in a game that doesn't really matter if no. Will's playing very well. Like that's yeah. kind of what my takeaway was. Was it was like okay, last week like we let both of them play, and honestly, Will outperformed Avery in my opinion last week. Not by much, but I thought he outperformed him. And then Will was really good for two drives. And, like, there was no reason to have Avery running the ball, like, 15 times. Because we're going to probably need him to run the ball 15 times against Texas. So That that was where my other confusion came in. Because uh, late, late in the game, game in hand, Avery comes back in. And I'm thinking two things. Like, A, let's get this dude's confidence back up. I'm glad we didn't just, like, say, like, no, you're just, like, banished to the bench now because you had a, a mistake. We're like... Bring them back out, which makes sense. Games in hand, Will's benched. Um, and I'm thinking, like, all right, we know this dude can run. Like, we know he's an incredible athlete. Nothing's ever going to change that. Let's get this dude some reps throwing the ball against a Division One defense because that's something that he could actually use and help his development. Not only, like, with just him, but it's not like we uh, have these just massive uh, dynamic receivers for him to throw to either that he has a bunch of chemistry with. And it's like we're up multiple scores and it's I Avery's our backup quarterback but I still want him healthy because we still apparently want to use him and we're running the we're like running him up the a gap against Houston here and I'm just thinking like god we're just up multiple scores we put Rubley in later and that again that's fine um I, it didn't it never really made much sense what we were doing with our quarterbacks for a lot of the game outside of Will Howard that's really the catch 22 with uh Avery, though, is, like, Avery's biggest strength is that he's, like, a great athlete. And, like, you really want him to run the ball. And, like, that's great. And, like, that's great for milking a game out. But the problem is, is, like, we don't want him to milk the game out because we're trying to get him reps. But you can't get him reps if he's good. If we're up by, like, 30. You know what I mean? Yeah, you like, can. That's kind of, fucking keep throwing it. Who cares? No, that, you can. I, I agree with you. You definitely can. I... What I'm just saying is, 
is that it's one of those things where it's like one Avery to throw the ball, but at the same time, like at what point is it disrespectful with eight minutes left and you're up by 40? It's like, you know, are you really going to sling the ball around? And it's like, well, we kind of need to develop this five-star kid or almost five-star kid. But right. I don't know. Again, we're we're just babbling on about nothing. We'll have yeah. plenty to talk about next week. And I'll get to see it in person because I'm going to Austin this weekend. That's right. So I, I'm i left, I guess, for me, what all that was or is leading to in my head is we've learned nothing about anything the past couple of weeks. And I feel like our staff has learned nothing about anything the past couple of weeks. <laughs> and now we come into a real test. And this is kind of a cop out answer because it, this is usually how this stuff goes when you have a two quarterback system. But it feels like we either go into the game and just kind of keep doing business as usual, not necessarily hurting ourselves uh, doing our zero margin for error offensive football and playing good defense, and maybe we come out with a win at the end. But I feel like there's a chance in this game, and it scares the fuck out of me. Um, even though we're not playing uh, Quinn Ewers and all that, if things start going south for K-State on offense and you start like pushing this rotation and like get real weird with what we're trying to do, we'll pro- probably get too cute there at some point, too. Um, you just... For an op- a team that offensively has zero margin for error, a two-quarterback system just sounds like disaster waiting to happen. It, it, it feels like it, it feels like a scenario where Avery's going to throw some back-breaking pick, and it's going to really fuck up like the team chemistry. Yeah, right. Now, like, that's where it feels like we're going. Is like Will Howard's going to like be fine. We're going to put Avery in for a spark. He's going to, like, go down, score a touchdown. He's going to, like, lead us or whatever, like, back within, like, one score or something. And then he's just going to throw, like, a backbreaker because he's a freshman. Yeah. And to that, though, there's one thing. I want to give Sam credit for this because he reminded me of this when I was listening to last week's episode. There's one thing that we have that Texas does not have, and that is Will Howard under adversity. And when you put Will Howard in the fires of adversity, you get one of the best quarterbacks in the country, and it makes no sense. It, is there any adversity this week, though? Because he seems to have beaten out Avery Johnson. <laughs> so that's kind of the issue, is if Avery and him were still split, and I feel like Will would be sharp as hell. I Okay. Oh, well, thanks for making me sad. Well, Will Howard hey, is... Don't, the- don't worry about it, Gavin. I'm sure... You know, Will Will knows that he's like a pick away from getting fucking benched. So like he's still he's still fighting adversity. Yeah, I uh we need to get him under more adversity because <laughs> the only time I've seen him play bad in the last two years is when his job's been safe. So <laughs> Yeah, when he had when his backup was fucking Nick Ost. Okay, yeah, the only time I've seen him play bad in his entire career. Yeah, correct. Oh my god, dude, yeah, dude, Nick Ost, oh my god. There's a tweet out there floating around for me. Uh, this was during, oh yep. God, I think this was the Iowa, an Iowa State game where we lost by like 30 or 40 points. And I just remember I literally typed word for word, bar for bar, get Will Howard, it basically get Will Howard out there and prove to me that Nick Ost is worse than him. And then he came in and threw a pick like in the first three plays. Yep. 
I was I like, remember right. that. It's like, all right, you've now convinced me that Nick Ost is worse. So yeah. like, <laughs> that's all I wanted was to know that he was worse. Right. And now I do know. And I don't want to see him ever again. That motherfucker never played again. Yeah. So as we look as we look ahead to this Texas game now, obviously, as you're mentioning with the leverage towards the Big 12 championship game and everything, not a play-in game for both these teams, but... Sure feels like an elimination game. Elimination game is a good way to put it. So uh, K-State, K-State controls their destiny. Texas controls their destiny. Got to win on Saturday. Uh, big noon kickoff. Um, Texas, without their starting quarterback, we've faced a lot of backup quarterbacks this year. We uh, really have. We're having a TCU-style run. Yeah, it doesn't feel great. Um, I'll take it. Yeah. If we, so, we get, if we had Daniel Green, our defense would be even better, but we got fucking lettuce out there playing middle linebacker. Uh, I, I'm i still pissed that we uh, appeared to force him into playing the rest of that Missouri game and that he was out for the year afterwards. Yeah, we should have just played lettuce. <laughs> So, what's your thoughts, predictions, and feelings towards the Texas game, then? So, my absolute major concern is that I started seeing some more gashing runs. I've seen some gash runs over the past couple of weeks that have been concerning to me. Runs that are going... When I talk about a gash run, I'm talking runs that are like 30 to 40 yards. I saw... UCF do it a couple of times. I saw Tech or Houston do it like once or twice. Uh, DCU just wasn't good and it didn't happen. But I've seen some big gash runs come. And Texas can run the football and Texas got a better offensive line than all of those other teams combined. I would argue that Texas offensive line might be better than if they put all 15 starters out there for all three of the last teams that we played. Obviously hyperbole, but I feel that Texas is very good at running the ball, and I feel like Texas has got the second best wide receiver group that we played this year. Obviously, Missouri is one. I don't think people talk about how good that Missouri group is, and that's a big reason why they're so good this year. But we haven't seen our secondary get absolutely bullied in a while, and I feel like the shoe's about to drop on that. I feel like Texas is probably going to get some drives that end fairly easily because they can get a couple of chunk runs. And I feel like we're going to... Xavier Worthy, I feel like, is going to absolutely outspeed a lot of the players that we have. So this feels like a talent mismatch for Texas' offense versus our defense. And honestly... That's what happened last year for the entire first half of the Texas and K-State game last year. And then Texas was such a bad, bad second half team last year that they basically didn't score. So I feel like I feel like this game ends with Texas kind of just doing a lot of what they normally do. It feels like this game's going to end very similar to the KU game, where Texas is going to end up... We're going to be hanging around Texas for a while, and then they're going to win by, like, 17. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think this is really just going to be, like, a 20-37 to 37 kind of game, where, like, it's, like, 21-13, to 13, 
at halftime or something. And it's like, oh, K-State's still in there. And then, like, Texas's offense just doesn't really stop. And, like, K-State's offense doesn't really get going again. Like, that's kind of how it feels. I, I just, I feel like from an offense to their defense perspective, we have a good enough offensive line to be able to score points. I feel like we have, you know, I feel like we can keep up with their offense from just a pound-for-pound pound standpoint. But I just feel like our defense is so much more out-talented on the yeah. perimeter. No, I'm uh, spot on. You basically just tapped every single uh, chord that, and you mentioned it coming in, how we're going to have a very similar feeling coming into this. But um, I remember the Texas game last year. Your, or your thing on Xavier Worthy, and I think it's Chris Brooks is their running back too. They're just, they're just, they have good players on the offensive side of the ball, and I'm not sure how many good players we actually have on the offensive side of the ball. It's just we're, like, really fundamentally sound. That's why I say we play with this, like, zero margin for error approach to offense on football or off to offense. But the difference is Texas, even when they're with their backup quarterback for this game, they're just going to get free offense because Xavier Worthy is going to be folding chair open once downfield for a chunk gain. Like, he's going to score a 50-yard touchdown on us or, yeah. like, a 40-yard touchdown on us. Like, it's just going to be one of those things where he catches, like, a fit 10, 15 yard crosser makes a guy miss and he's gone. And yep. it's like, okay, sure. Yeah. Fine. Like, I, I mean this not in a negative way, but K state to win this game is going to need Murphy. I, I don't, I don't know how to pronounce his first names. I think it's Malik, but it's like M A A and then Elite. So I, don't it, I don't know if it's like Malik or Malik or how you pronounce it. I know his last name is Murphy. And I just feel like he's going to, like, the only two ways we win this game is if he just implodes as an awful game. Or if, like, we get a Colin Klein, like, masterclass and put up, like, 40 points. Which which is impossible. Yes, because I I look at this game and I say all this stuff, and I think back to these... I I despise these games enough to almost, like, hate even saying them. The K-State-Oklahoma games, where it's just... it's, It's our Super Bowl. Now, the difference between... This isn't Oklahoma. This isn't our Super Bowl. It's just Texas. We don't really care about them. So, because of that, we are allowed to win the Houston game. And we've won the Houston game, so obviously we're not looking ahead to Texas. Just a normal week, but yeah, I'm I'm with I'm with you on there's when it's a, when it's a talent mismatch of this level. Uh, let's not K State had actually quite a bit of fucking talent on their defense last year, it, and and the part that concerns me is we still gave up like twenty seven like twenty seven to thirty four points last year, I think. Yep. And we have second round NFL corner, like draftable, like safety, first like round, first end. round defensive end. Like we we had guys. I mean, you might as well just throw Daniel Green as one of those guys. I mean, because we don't have him now. Yeah. Like you just uh, six year defensive tackle, Eli Huggins. Yes. Like, I mean, yeah. you have like guys and now it's just like, all right, well, we're playing. We're, we're playing with fewer chess pieces. Yeah, 
And yeah, I know. Then you have the added, but we haven't even talked about just the fact that we have to balance our quarterback room throughout this entire game as well without hurting ourselves doing it. So it just feels like you're asking a lot for K State to come and win this game. Yeah. Um, I love your, uh, I love the way you see the game going. I, I hate the way you see the game going, but I agree with it in terms of K State's just kind of always there but not really. They're never actually in the game. They're just always within what people think of as catching distance, and pretty soon, 60 minutes have gone by. It's a two-score game. Never was really in doubt, and Texas wins 34-20. to 20. Yeah, because that's kind of how like the KU game went. It was like KU was around, and they were there like the whole game. Like Halftime, it was like a one-score game. The next thing you know, it was like 40-20 to 20 something. No, Texas has to beat them. Texas has to lose this game. I don't really see a scenario where K State goes out and wins it. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, Texas is really Texas is good. I think the one thing that K State this is what I hate because I know this is golly, I I hate this. I read this this week, and this is how games always end up going. Like when whenever you start highlighting these type of things. Like, K-State in Texas is, like, higher ranked than this also, by the way. But K-State's, like, one of the best teams in the country at, like, preventing touchdowns against teams that get into the red zone. Texas is one of the worst offenses at turning opportunities in the red zone into touchdowns. So you know for a fact that this game, for no reason, like, that's going to be completely flipped. Texas yeah. is going to go to the red zone like four times and score all four times. This also feels like the game where you look at our defense, and I constantly see our defense, like people uh, throwing stats at our defense, talking about like our run defense and everything, how great it is and all all this stuff. But then you look at our schedule and who we played, and you're like, well, there's a reason that uh, de- defense is kind of always a function of your schedule. And this feels like a regression to the mean for a probably overperforming defense. Yeah, I mean, look, we're going to learn a lot a lot about the team yes. in this game. And, I mean, not even to look ahead, but, oh, boy, does that Baylor game scare the hell out of me. Because if you win this game, oh! you're, com- you're coming off an extremely high win with your arch rival in a massive game, especially if they win this week. Coming up the very next week, sandwiched in between a team that's not playing very well. So we'll cross that bridge when we get there. If we lose, we should have no problem with that game because, you know, that's how that's how it works. Yep. But, you know, again, I think Texas is going to have to lose this game more than we win it is basically the theme of it. It's not that K-State is incapable. It's just there's a big talent discrepancy. Yep. Speaking All right. Of uh, I was going to say, speaking of a large talent discrepancy, uh, do we need to move on to what Beans thinks is the most talented roster in the NFL against the Denver Broncos? Why are we talking about the Eagles versus the Broncos? Actually, it's the no, Niners. No, no, the Eagles actually suck. Well, it's now the Niners that have the most talented roster. <laughs> um, quick trade deadline recap before we go into the Chiefs game. Uh Montez Sweat to the Bears for second. Makes sense. Uh, Chase Young to the Niners for a third because lol. Doesn't make sense. 
uh, Josh Dobbs to the Vikings for like jo- it was Josh Dobbs a seventh to the Vikings for six makes sense for the Vikings hashtag free Jameis Winston. Um, Donovan People Jones got traded to the Lions, and then like hey. the 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 Niners actually had a trade in place for Adoree Jackson from the uh, Giants. But uh, the deal didn't go through because they didn't alert the league fast enough. Which is not the first time I've ever heard of that happening. Shout out to AJ McCarron. Can you imagine, like, showing up to work after that, too? Oh, my God. Could you imagine being on the Vikings, like, thinking that you're going to end up on the Niners and then still having to be on the earth? Could you imagine waking up on the Giants, hearing that you're going to get to go play on the Niners, even though they're on a three-game losing streak, and then still <laughs> having to go play for the Giants? Yeah. Like, that would fucking suck. I'd be so checked out. Yeah. It's like, oh, you guys didn't get the paperwork filled out properly. That's why I won't have a chance of winning a Super Bowl. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. The the only one that, like, somewhat means something to me is, I mean, obviously Chase Young's super talented and adding him to a Niners defense is cool and everything. I think it's funny that – uh not not to transition us too soon, but I do think it's ironic. Don, Donald Pe- Donovan Peoples Jones isn't a nothing burger. He's just like a DJ Chark level nothing burger. To where uh, Detroit is now trying to get this to where like um, if they have enough wide receiver fives, they can be better than your cornerback five, which is never on the field. Which is exactly what the Chiefs are trying to do, except with wide receiver sixes. And I the one thing I did want to uh, bring up before we move on completely from trade deadline, is the Bears traded for Monta Sweat, which, I mean, if they're going to pay him, then sure, fine. Great. Yeah. Like, good move. Monta Sweat is actually good. Uh, Chase Claypool, in my opinion, is still actually good, but Monta Sweat is, like, a different level of good. Claypool is good in the sense that he's talented. Monta Sweat is good in the sense that he is talented and productive. Which yeah. Claypool was not. Um, but anyways, if you're going to pay him, great. But the one thing I will say is the Bears definitely like allowed their corner, Jalen Johnson, to seek a trade because they aren't close to a contract extension. And uh, they didn't trade him, and now he's just going to go be a free agent. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I almost feel like this is going to end in a franchise tag and an overpayment for Montez Sweat. That, that, that feels like what's going on here. Well, no, it's the Bears. I mean, you look at this and you're like, hey, getting Montez Sweat for a second instead of Chase Claypool, like progress. And then you realize how they just fumbled the Jalen Johnson situation. They're going to pay Montez Sweat. Um, pro- uh, yeah, it's the Bears. They're just going to continue to dig their own hole. The, the funniest thing I saw was um, two things. One, it was like a gif of just like, what the fuck? When it was like bear, the Bears seeing that they could have gotten Shea Shung for a third instead of Montez Sweat for a second. Yeah. Which, again, Montez Sweat is slightly better and less injury prone, so I understand. But the other one was that the Niners traded like a third down comp pick for Shea Shung. And if Shea Shung is productive enough, which he can, which he literally might just be because, you know, he's going to get single teamed the entire time. But, um,. If Chase Young goes, is productive enough, and gets signed for enough, which he very well might be, 
they'll just get a third round comp pick back for him. So there's a chance that even if they lose him, they just got him for free, essentially. There's the the comp pit system is like one of those things that like always have separated like good and bad run franchises too, where you'll just like see a team do something like that and it yeah. I don't know. Here's this third round pick. Look by the way, if this guy gets signed for enough money, then we will have gotten him for like moving back like twenty draft slots. Yeah. And we still get like the same number of picks. It's just like what Well, what it's ironic to going to the 49ers because the 49ers are in this really weird spot where they have a quarterback that was playing well um, and is on no money, so they could pay everyone else, and they have that money is like everywhere on that roster right now, and they still got to pay Brandon Ayuk. They've got to pay uh, Chase Young at some point coming up here now too. Uh, they just paid Bosa, and now it's what's even more like funny about that is Brock Purdy's like not playing well anymore because the pizzazz is just kind of like wearing off and uh, the Brock Purdy is starting to show even through the Shanahan scheme and now it's like oh no we can't we can't almost just like fake the NFL and uh, just win with a Mr. Relevant quarterback because of scheme and because we actually have to do things which is funny because they're at least trying to do it with a talented roster and convincing themselves, you know, clown mask on that we can do this. But then we look into the Rockies this weekend, and we see another team trying to do that, except with an untalented roster. And Two words to pick San Francisco. Sam Darnold. Yeah. Uh, just change. That's not like your fourth or fifth string like you had to go into with the playoffs last year. Like a talented yeah, in, team. Into the Rockies. Bad roster. Good quarterback play this year, all things considered. Eh. He's been all right. I, the- I think the funny thing is Russell Wilson has slightly better numbers than Mahomes, and everyone, and I wouldn't even say Mahomes has played that well this year. Yeah. Everyone was like, oh, Russell Wilson must be having a good year because, like, Mahomes is like, he, he has better numbers than Mahomes. It's like, well, Mahomes doesn't have good numbers. So, yeah, no, that, that, that was my thing. There's a lot of reasons Mahomes doesn't have good numbers. Um, the conversation, the big picture thing here is every on Sunday, especially it was a team effort towards not being good besides kind of the defense. And that's kind of, in my opinion, been the story the entire year for the chiefs. Has it been a team effort towards not being good where last year you're at least like the staff is making up for a shit ton. Like our play calling all that is making up for so much of the deficiencies on offense. Mahomes is playing incredible making plays, um, and you're getting, like, everything you can out of the running game. Our defense was even worse last year. Now this year, you have a much better defense, much better playing defense anyways. And so it doesn't look as pretty automatically because the defense is good and the offense isn't as good. But also you've got the staff being too cute pretty much the entire year. You have Mahomes, who's just kind of, like, taking a step back. Um, It really feels like everything we expected from the Tyree Kill trade just kind of like happened a year back. Like took the NFL a year to catch up with our adjustments to losing the best receiver in the league. Yeah. It's almost like they, it's almost like defenses played us the same as if we still had Tyree kill, which like doesn't make any sense. 
And so Mahomes was able to, you know, use checkdowns, was able to, you know, be super efficient in the throws that he was given by the defense. And now defense are like, oh, wait a minute. They don't have Tyree Kill. We don't have to play that way. But defenses not playing that way was essentially just allowing the Chiefs to dink and dunk down the field. But then most importantly, the Chiefs actually did that and, like, took advantage of that. They have not done that this year. That's, you see Mahomes looking downfield, taking, like, wanting big plays, which was something he was really good at being patient and methodically working the ball down the field. We led the NFL in yards after the catch last year. Mahomes' A dot dropped significantly. Everything just kind of makes sense. Now you look at Mahomes and he has a horrible passer rating throwing 20-plus yards down the field, yet continues to do so. The offense is impatient. And like I said, just any opportunity at every stage, every spot. I know, uh, like me as a resident Sky Moore fan, you have a dropped just bucket pass in the end zone. Rashi Rice has a drop earlier in the game. You have another muff punt. It's just everywhere. Pain, suffering. Uh, Mahomes runs into a player on a sack to stall a drive. Mahomes is never sacked. And this is just a one-game sample size, too. Like, these things happen. But yeah, no, I my my big thing with this game is it just never really felt so the offense has never really felt in rhythm unless you're playing bad teams. Yes. Or like like the Bears defense, obviously the offense was in rhythm. But like it, it feels like the offense is very susceptible to like just falling into like cl- being a clunker, if that makes sense. Yeah. And they go three and out to start. And Denver scores. And then they go to drive. And they stall out in the red zone because they can't get because they can't get that first down. And like then this, then that, and then MVS, like then it looks like we're starting to cook and MVS fumbles that ball. And then suddenly Mahomes gets like like things just kept happening to where like they never got in a rhythm, and suddenly you look up, it's like midway through the fourth, fourth quarter, and Mahomes is getting his second possession. And really, the game that I compare it to is, I believe this was the 2019 season, when it was like Jacoby Brissett and the Colts just like ran the ball all over our defense for like four yards of carry. And it was just like pounding. The entire game, they took up a ton of time of possession. And eventually, the defensive dam just broke. And Mahomes, like, never got a chance to establish a rhythm with everyone. And the offense just broke the whole game. This was kind of like that, where Denver's running the ball really, really well. And, like, we're not being able to establish a rhythm. But then we're doing everything we can to take ourselves out of a rhythm when we're starting to get into a rhythm. I think one of the things that is definitely hurting this team is I think Travis Kelsey is definitely injured, like still, you know what I mean? I think that's just going to be a thing throughout the entire year. And I think one of the reasons why it's very obvious that that's the case is Travis Kelsey is like, you know, he'll make a 20-yard catch downfield, catch and run, and then he's heading to the sidelines. And it's like... Didn't see that last year. I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like, we're not seeing Travis Kelsey. 
Like we obviously like his snap share has been going down as he gets older. Makes sense. But you're not taking Travis Kelsey out of this premium, you know, like scoring opportunity areas. There's the one, I guess, two things about the one thing about the Chiefs is they never have this. They always play to the level of their composition competition to the most part, especially this season. But a lot of that comes to be you never see the Chiefs do this shit maybe once or twice, but not five turnovers or whatever like we had in this game. The Chiefs hurt themselves. But the Chiefs have always been really, really good at being the only team in the NFL that's really good at making other teams not punish them for whatever reason, for the mistakes that they make themselves. You'll see the Chiefs muff a punt, and then the very next drive is like a interception from the defense. So we're just right back where we were. That's like, yeah. I mean, shit, five turnovers in this game. You go to the fourth quarter, and four minutes left, Chiefs don't have a chance at it. Any other team does what the Chiefs have done to, like, beat themselves, and they are not in this game. The Chiefs did nothing to be in this game, but most importantly, Denver was also trying to not be in this game and just yeah. got got conservative and just expected the Chiefs to not do anything. So I, I don't understand what about the Chiefs keeps them in games like this, but they just do regardless of them hurting themselves. There's yeah, one- no, this, this whole season – it's kind of felt like that 2021 season where, like, Mahomes was just off the whole, like, first half of the year. And, like, the sky was falling. They were, like, 500, like, playing a do-or-die game against the Giants on, like, Sunday night football or whatever. And then, like, things just, the script just flipped and, like, it was fine. I, I think at the end of the day, you know, they're still six and two. The Chiefs will probably still be fine. But, like, boy, howdy. Like, that was just an all time clunker. Yeah. I think, I think the script is going to, what's going to make no sense is, like, nothing's going to change. What's going to happen is nothing will change and the Chiefs will just start playing better. And that's, be, that it'll just happen for reasons. What I want to have happen and this is no surprise coming from me, but I think it's ironic you talk about rhythm and everything like that. We're asking our players on offense to, like, be consistent, uh, be confident, you know, go out there, make plays, and every single player on this offense outside of Patrick Mahomes, the offensive line, and, well, not even Travis Kelsey anymore because he's getting taken off. You're asking uh, essentially a composition of 11 dudes to go out there Make plays the moments you're out there, but also be confident when you're out there, even though you know the moment you make this like highlight reel 20 yard catch, you're getting you're standing up celebrating with your teammate, and then Blake Bell's running on to tell you to hop off the field because he's got to go out in the flat and drop a you know a dump off pass out there. So I think even more so than last year, um, our rotation and what what we're doing on offense is too cute from a play calling standpoint. Oh, I just, God, yes. I want to see just – and I don't even give a fuck who it is. If you want to throw Justin Watson, Blake Bell, and, like, a left tackle out there in three wide receiver sets and just do that for 90% of the snaps. Obviously, I'm joking a little bit there, but you, uh, if you're a uh, fucking Rashi Rice fan, if you're a Justin Ross fan, even though he beats people, just let us pick our best three players. 
and just try to get some fucking chemistry, rhythm, and confidence in this wide receiver group. I there, It's no wonder that you have players just incapable of making plays, inconsistent, unconfident, when you're just pulling them off the field. And the best, Literally the best receivers in the game come into a game and you can just like see the games where it's like, oh my God, they're really trying to go to this guy or trying to get him involved. And like, the first three plays of the game are a fucking screen to A.J. Brown or whatever. And it's like, we literally do nothing like that to try and get any singular person involved. We want to, like, build up the entire team. But I I just, I think it's really funny we're sitting here talking about rhythm and chemistry and drops and all this shit. And yet you look at our snap chairs and it's like, well, yeah. No shit, every single player here has no chemistry. No shit, they have no confidence. Yeah, I, it's... I mean, God, if Rashid Rice really is, like, our best wide receiver, for God's sakes, let's play up, like, 70% of the snaps, right? Yeah. Like, let's, let's get him out there, you know what I mean? Like, let's... Like, if Tony's, like, one of our more explosive playmakers, like, let's, let's get him out there, you know what I mean? Yes. That's uh, literally, I've, I've thought that dude's been Sky Moore forever, but the like overall principle of just putting talented players on the field and leaving them there so they can do talented player things has just boggled my mind from this Chiefs team. And to be halfway honest with you has made me like rethink my like, uh, you know, religion and like things I understand about the world, the fact that it works at all, uh, what we have been doing, but. Yeah, regardless, I, I think if you're a Chiefs fan and looking at that, it just it makes no sense to me that we've done it. We won't get punished for it still, probably, but here we are. I think my big thing, I think one thing I do want to say is this is not to, like, blame anything on Matt Nagy, obviously. Like, that's not what I want to do. Like, I'm sure Matt Nagy is doing just fine as our offensive coordinator. What I will say is the enemy has, and I think we've mentioned this in a previous episode, the enemy has been, like, known to be a hard-ass yeah. about, you know, just being a hard-ass about b- details and execution and that kind of crap. And I'm sure Nagy preaches that, too. I'm sure Nagy is probably less of an asshole about it. Nagy seems like the kind of guy that's more of like, all right, well, I'm going to call this and you're going to do it type guy, not not a I'm gonna call this and you better fucking do it type guy like the enemy is. And I feel like, you know, that Broncos game is one of those games and kind of just the offense in general just being out of sync. It doesn't feel really tight. It doesn't feel very like screwed down, bolted down, whatever superlative you want. It feels like it's just missing something and it might get there by the end of the year, but it's just not super sharp. Right. And uh, you, your last comment there is an important thing. We've seen this from the Chiefs before. It's not the time of the year to be playing your best football, all that stuff. But uh, it's actually, uh, I don't want to allude too much to my hot take for this week, but it's okay to just admit that what we're doing right now is not good enough. So that way, Hopefully, there's some scrutiny and some reason to push for change, so we don't just keep oh, watching that. God, yes, I did. I still, to this day, and I know this is off topic, I can never get over how like people will just apologize 
for Mahomes over that 2021 season AFC title game, oh my god, makes me sick. It, yep. The Bengals won the 2021 season, 2022 AFC championship game. Makes yep. me sick that people like just apologize to him about that because, like, you know, 13 seconds and it's like, dog, he lost us the game. Like, let's be real. Like, he's yep. a big reason why we did. And I, I don't get why people want or need to hero worship. Like, Pat is great. Pat is not immune to criticism for how he's playing. Pat's not playing great right now. And honestly, that is part part of Pat not playing well right now is helping contribute to the offense not being good. Now, the, the thing I will say with Pat is, you know, it's it's the pick. The pick is the one that's like kind of a backbreaker, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that yeah. was a huge that was a huge one. Like that's a bad pick, and Mahomes has thrown a lot of picks this year, and like, you know, it is what it is. Like sometimes Pat will just throw, you know, a lot of picks. But like Pat is not immune to criticism, and I don't think Pat would want to be immune to criticism. It no, that's so like we, we, the hero worship is just dumb. I don't get it. Like I like my thing is is like even with Will Howard, like I I really like Will Howard. I never wanted him to not like start over Amy Johnson, but I would never it would never stand up here and like pretend that he played good against Oak State. <laughs> yeah. No, it's wait. I mean, we've literally stumbled into my hot take of uh, the week of just. I it drives me nuts, and it's it's okay to. We live in a world where it's you know one thing or the other, mostly because of the internet. But it is okay to talk about you know Mahomes having a bad game, having a bad season, just not doing something well, even if he's doing a bunch of other things well. It's okay to say that. And then, like, still acknowledge that he's still the best quarterback in the game. And I would want nobody else yep. to be the quarterback of the Chiefs. Like, those two things are not mutually exclusive. This Correct. can both be true. It's, he has not played well this year. He's um, been inconsistent. He's forcing the ball. He's holding the ball too long, which he's done forever. And it's punishing him more. He's uh, forcing the ball downfield. It's, there's a lot of negatives right now. And you know what? We're still in all of these games. We're probably going to clean it up later in the year. And he's still the best quarterback in the NFL because every quarterback has stretches like this. No quarterback's immune to it. But so Speaking of best quarterback in the NFL, or at least hottest quarterback in the NFL at this moment, paired with the hottest receiver in the NFL, Chiefs' next game is in Germany, and it's against the Miami Dolphins. Chiefs are entering a very, very rough stretch, three-week stretch, where they get Miami and London, or Miami and Germany, excuse me, by week, Philadelphia. So two very important games coming up. Obviously, we're not going to be previewing Philadelphia yet. You know, Super Bowl rematch, blah, blah, blah. Ha ha. Watching the World Series, Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift costume. Ha ha. Anyways, um... This is a very big game from just an ego standpoint. And honestly, probably part of the reason why Kansas City lost last week. It's probably not. It's one of the small reasons, I would say. But, you know, very very easy to get complicit against a team that you beat in 16 straight times or however many times it was 
when you're going to go play in Germany against, you know, former guy on your team, right? So Miami, Kansas City, possible fireworks. We'll see if Kansas City has anything to say about that. Miami has not fared well against two, against good teams. The two teams that with records over 500, they played the Bills and Eagles. They are 0-2. Those are both road games. This is a super road game, kind of, or a super neutral site game. So, Kevin, what are your key games? What are you predicting? Uh, so, your point there of, I'm just operating from the standpoint of the uh, Dolphins Tremendously, though. I, I know that, like, you know, not every. 
I just know every time that we have Nick Bolton in the lineup, we stop the run better than we do when we don't, right? Whether that's because Nick Bolton is a liability in pass coverage and teams decide to pass more because of that, or because Nick Bolton's actually good at stopping the run, I don't know. But I feel like we're going to struggle stopping the run again because Miami is good at it. Miami has a lot of speed. And I don't think that we're particularly fast, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think we're very fundamentally sound and good defense. I don't think we're a particularly fast defense, which I think is going to cause some problems. I do think, though, that the offenses are going to be stymied a little bit because it's just going to be weird playing in Germany. Yeah. But I think this game is a lot lower scoring than you would think. I think it's like a 20 to 17 type game. Um, I'll give the Dolphins the win just because I think the Chiefs are kind of just in a big funk. I would expect them to fix it over the bye, not in Germany. Yeah. I'm, I share your, uh, the Nick Bolton hates weird to me. He, um, he is a great, he's more of a run stopping linebacker than pass coverage has got better in pass coverage over his entire career. Um, is not really a fit for the modern NFL, but like, regardless, he's like not a guy you pay obviously, but I yeah. think he's a nice guy to have on a rookie contract. Yep. And linebacker, no matter what, uh, you do linebacker is going to be the, like get picked on position in today's NFL anyways. So if it's not Nick Bolden, it's just somebody else out there. That's a liability in pass rather than I don't even throwing out there because yeah, might least trust to be able to go in there, plug a hole, and stop Raheem Mostert more than whoever the fuck we're throwing in there. And I even. I'm so concerned. This is the brilliant thing about Miami. I'm so concerned about their passing game. Their Big plays they generate through the air, all that. That like, I don't even think of Raheem Mostert when I'm thinking about this game. But they have one of the best running games in the NFL. It's yeah, and I, I think their passing game opens up their zone run game. I think yeah, I, and like honestly, I mean you know, but Daniel is such a disciple of Shanahan. I think he does want to run the ball, and I think that that's what I think helps open. That's one of the main reasons I think Tyree Kill has been just like completely unlocked this season is because he's already a guy who's like a perennial thousand yard receiver but now it's like oh well this team runs the shit out of the ball too so like we have to like commit resources to actually stopping the run yeah or whatever but you know in kansas city you didn't really have to do that because right. you know <laughs> all right so yeah i'm going dolphins 2017 what you got I'll go Dolphins, some weird, just, I mean, I'll do the very stereo. No, we aren't going to score that many touchdowns. Uh, we, we kick a lot of field goals. I'm going to go, like, um, oh, let's just do some dumb shit, like 16 to 24. 16 to 24. I thought you were going to do, like, 18 to 13 or something like that. No. We'll get 18 to 11. <laughs> we'll get an 18. We'll just settle for a bunch of field goals. All right, Gavin. So I think that wraps it up for football. Really all of the viewing audience wanted to listen to today. So now I'm going to ask you this question. World Series Game 4, on right now, we have some guy named Mantiply 
pitching for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Texas Rangers lead the series two to one over the Arizona Diamondbacks. Zero zero game. Game just started. Who's winning the World Series and why? Um, gotta be a hundred percent honest. I like couldn't tell you the teams in the World Series. It's, so. it's the Texas Rangers and the Arizona Diamondbacks. Okay. Uh. <laughs> Rangers. And why? Oh no, the why? Because uh, I I've at least heard the name Rangers before. Yeah, I we'll just leave it at they have a two one lead and if, there we go. They are they're leading the series right now. Yep, I've heard the Rangers <laughs> before. Have not heard of Diamondbacks. There's no such thing as Diamondbacks. Rangers are real. Diamondbacks are snakes, baby. Oh, man. All right. Well, I tell you what, I don't have a hot take, and we already kind of talked about your hot take. So do we have any other news that is, like, pressing, needed for this podcast? No, I'm excited for the Texas game. Uh, like like you said, pointed out, um, KU's had their test of, like, and football football's weird where you know now we're grading KU's entire season on this one Oklahoma game but K-State hasn't had any test yet so and we've already lost two fake tests so that's uh I just want to see if this K-State team has something in it for me to be like really excited about this year and like set me up for a big letdown later in the year or like can I just lose hope now before like I get too excited. That's that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for like mental health preservation this week. Like where where do I need to be at? All right. Some quick hitters. Basketball starts tomorrow. K State plays Emporia State. I'm sure KU plays someone else. I didn't check. KU lost a charity exhibition to Illinois. Something or nothing. He leaves. I will answer my own question. It's nothing. I do not care about charity exhibition games. It means nothing to me. Naquan Tomlin suspension, something or nothing, something. Obviously, Naquan Tomlin being out for K-State is not great. Hi, Sydney. Hey. And then Pat Patrick Ngangba, official visit to K-State over the weekend. Commitment pending on November 4. Something or nothing? Something. Could be the greatest day in K-State history if K-State beats Texas and Lance Patrick Ngagba. Could be the worst day of my life if he, if he commits to Duke and we lose to Texas. Yep. That's uh, the signing. Yeah, it's a big week for K-State sports uh, just generally. All right. That leads me to one question for you, Gavin, and then we'll get off here. Would you rather beat Texas this week or sign the five-star center, Patrick Ngangba? I'll be 100% honest. I don't think this K-State team is good enough, even if they beat Texas, to like still make it to the Big 12 championship game. Um, I would just take... That's a tough one! I no, and no, it's not a tough one. Not a tough one because I'm trying to be careful with the way I phrase this too because I'm gonna piss off a lot of climbing people. But like, you're, you're not convinced this team would beat KU and Iowa State enough to where you wouldn't just take the five star recruit. 
Well, that and like we're we're not going to my my goal coming in every single year. And it's why I'm such a pessimist and beaten down and sad all the time is because I want to win a Big Twelve championship. Or sorry, Jesus Christ, I want to win a national championship. That's the thing I haven't seen. That's like what I want to do. And at this point, I think the basketball team has a better chance to do it than the football team, anyways. So just give me like. A, the talent for Tang and let's see what he can do because I think I've seen the ceiling of Chris Kleiman already and it's fine. It's great. But like, I want to just contribute to, and this is coming from a spot where we already have two losses too. So I think genuinely speaking, and I mean, no ill will to Chris and everything with the way that the playoff playoff format is going to be set up. I think K-State's, absolute ceiling realistically is a semifinal. Yeah, a playoff first round playoff win. Yeah, because if you win the conference championship, which I don't think is like impossible, and are a top four conference champion, which you're likely going to be considering that the Pac-12 is going away, then that means that you get one of the first four seeds, which means that you could possibly Lock yourself into being like the sixth or seventh best team in the country, getting like the three seed and getting to play like a six seed. Yep. Yeah. Or the equivalent of whatever the six seed would be. So I think that's kind of the ceiling is like you win that game and then you go to the semifinal and hope to God you win. But Basketball team, just because basketball is weird. I mean, basketball team could just be good for, could just be good for four games. And so, yeah, I, I don't know. You're spot on with me. I think uh, I'm ready to call her a night. I'm gonna take a shower. I'm gonna. That's pretty much all I need to do. I had a gonna make some chili. I got some uh, cheddar, che- some fresh block cheddar cheese. That I'm gonna shred. I'm gonna eat some Halloween candy that I bought for the kids that you know aren't coming to my apartment. Thank God. Yep. So, thank you again for everyone for listening. Thank you again to Gavin for showing up on this Halloween for going any sexy Halloween parties. Yep. Spooky season. It's almost over. Enjoy it now. <laughs> season's almost over. We're almost to Thanksgiving season. You can tell with the belly. Thank you again to everyone for listening. If you enjoyed this content, please consider like, sharing, and subscribing on Twitter at underscore underscore F3S. That's underscore underscore F3S on Twitter or now X. If you did like this content, again, we're also available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Feel free to share with your friends. Gavin, it was a pleasure flying with you again tonight. And everyone else listening, it was a pleasure ranting to you tonight. Thanks again for all that you do for us. And thanks for listening. God bless. We'll see you next week.